From training to performing, join our Big League Conversation. Welcome to the CSP Elite Baseball Development Podcast with your host, Eric Cressy. Welcome back to the CSP Elite Baseball Development Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Cressy, and this is episode 24. We've got some awesome stuff later on with our guest on the science and approach of hitting. Um, But before we get to it, I want to introduce you to today's sponsor. Uh, This show is brought to you by Juve Red Light Therapy. I was first introduced to Juve uh, because we had multiple clients who'd reported some favorable experiences with red light therapy. So I started to dig deeper myself and actually started using the product with favorable results as well after viewing some really compelling research. Um, What's interesting, there's wide ranging and and clinically proven benefits that stem from red light therapy um, enhancing mitochondrial function. So it can range from faster muscle recovery to enhanced sleep to improved athletic performance to a reduction in pain and inflammation as well as some you know prominent hormonal changes there's some really interesting before after uh, changes in testosterone levels so why juve well they're the leaders and true innovators when it comes to red light therapy in the industry um, they have a cool modular lego block design that allows you to build out a, a full body system over time so the investment on the front end can be a lot lower and you can expand it as you desire um, it's a therapeutic energy output is third party tested and validated it's a class two registered FDA device, so it's real legit technology. Um, there's tons of different ways to use a Juve. You can put it on a door, a mobile stand, a tabletop, or against a wall. They have a, a product called the Juve Go, which is a, a portable red light therapy device that works great for putting it on specific joints um, because it fits in the palm of your hand and easily positioned. Um, it's the same medical grade power as the larger Juve device. Um, it's wireless and rechargeable. So really interesting stuff and something that I think is going to really uh, dictate a lot of our sports science stuff in the years ahead. Um, and I think I've, I've already learn to appreciate it as a as a competitive advantage on the recovery side of things so um if you head to juve.com backslash eric and use referral code cressy you'll receive a free gift with your purchase again that's juve.com j-o-o-v-v.com backslash e-r-i-c you can use the referral code cressy c-r-e-s-s-e-y to receive a free gift with your purchase it's awesome stuff i'm really enjoying it and i think you'd like to check it out as well Today's guest is a first baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies. He was drafted after his senior year of high school in 2005 by the Florida Marlins in the 22nd round, but decided to attend Maplewoods Community College in Missouri and was signed as a draft and follow prior to the 2006 MLB draft. He made his major league debut in 2010 and a few years later was traded to the Seattle Mariners, then on to the Tampa Bay Rays. He had a breakout season in 2017 for Tampa Bay when he finished 5th in the American League in home runs with 38 and also had 85 RBIs. He spent 2018 with the Minnesota Twins and then began this year with the Yankees before opting out and heading to the Phillies. He returned to the Major Leagues just a few weeks ago. He also started up with us at Cressy Sports Performance in 2014 when we opened our Florida location and he's become not just a great resource to me on the science of hitting but also a great family friend. Please welcome to the show Logan Morrison. All right, Logan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, buddy. This is this is kind of like a weird welcome because I feel like I never talk to you in this formal of context. Usually it's like text messages or our kids are screaming at us while we're trying to have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, but I don't know if the um, 
this isn't I'm not doing a job interview, so I'm not that worried about the the formality. Yeah, yeah. don't drop the ball. We can always edit this if we need to. But um, <laughs> all right, so we could go in a million different directions on this, and and you know we certainly probably will as we get going. But um, what I'm really curious about is obviously, so you go to the big leagues, um, you know back in 2010, um, you do so with the Marlins, then you go to the Mariners, you go to the Rays, you've been with the Twins, and then this year, Yankees and Phillies. Um, I'm curious to see kind of how you've seen baseball change, um, you know, from when you were drafting. You were, you were a draft and follow, which they don't even do anymore. Um, how, is, how have things changed, you know, as a hitter or a position player in general since you came up in 2010? Well, I think the way that they evaluate um – players has changed uh position players so you know as players you have to change um you know they used to value way back they used to value um average as the best tool mm-hmm. um you know now it's um ops plus or one's runs created plus or mm-hmm. you know all these these metrics that they use um and basically uh all it means is drive the ball, do damage, and get on base. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I've been trying to do um, ever since that change. And I would say that, like, um, when even when I got to the big leagues, I was just trying to find a way to get on base, slap the ball around the park. Um, um, and then that the change probably started happening for me in 2014. Um, you know, but when you change things, it doesn't always go smoothly. So uh, there was a couple of years there where – I had a lot of figuring out to do and, um, you know, got some bad information, tried to apply it. It doesn't work out. Got some good information, tried to apply it, couldn't apply it, those kind of things. And you just got to find your way through it. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of people like look at a guy who, like you had a breakout year in 2017 and hit, hit 37 homers, but a lot of people don't realize that like, it just doesn't like magically happen in off season for everybody. It's not like a Justin Turner where like he tested the waters one September and then made an overhaul that off season and came out and was like an absolute dude. Like for you, it was multifaceted, right? It was, a, it was swing changes. It was approach changes. It was, you know, getting over injuries that you had had. Like what, what were the things that you feel like all clicked together to, to, to lead to that 2017 year? Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, you got to be on the field um, to, to be able to produce and put up numbers. So, um, you know, I think um, uh, going, working out with you, um, you know, that obviously helped. Uh, keep me on the field and then um, I would say that you know the pregame my routines I would always you know I would swing a lot and try to find the perfect swing and and hit 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 and um, there is no perfect swing there is no um, I guess you know work smarter not harder to, there there's a there is some truth to that and um, you know for me now being 31 almost 32 um i don't even take bp on the field anymore really um i just go uh hit the cage for about 40 swings and i'm good to go um i want to be fresh i want to be explosive um and uh i want to leave my best swings i guess for the game Absolutely. I remember when you walked in after the 2017 season, you know, we, we did like the formalities, the meet and greets, all that stuff. And then I was like, all right, what changed? And you were just like, stop hitting on the field before the game. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. 
one of those things where you were a guy who would always hit till your hands bleed. Is that something that you you are honestly like always fighting, like the the want to go out and do more and more and more? Or is that something you've learned to, to temper in your in your years? Yeah, you. Know, I've always tried to. Um, you know, I always I always want more. I mean, that's the thing. You you don't get to where you're at by being complacent and um, not and being satisfied. You always want more. You always want. To, if you're three for four, you want to go four for four. If you're four for five, you want to go five for five. Um, there's always been. I've always had that mentality. But being able to to channel it the right way um, has been, I think, more helpful and honestly kept me more sane. Um, you know, it's one thing to struggle and then it's one thing to be able to not let it go when you struggle and, um, you know, bring it home with you and, you know, you're just not in a good mental state a lot. Um, you know, baseball is a really, really tough game and you gotta be a tough minded son of a gun, um, to, you know, I guess have a short memory, let it go and move on. Absolutely, man. So what about, you know, one of the things I looked at just from a pure numbers standpoint is like they said your average launch angle in 2016 was 12.6 degrees and it was 17.4 in 2017. So obviously it's a substantial change. You hit the ball in the air like your your ground ball to fly ball rate went way down that year. Um, do you feel like that was a conscious swing change on your part? Was it an approach change? It was looking for pitches that you could drive in the air? It was a little bit of both. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Like, again, like whenever you talk about these things like people will say like oh you're worried about your launch angle or you're thinking about this or you're thinking about that and it's like dude i'd have no idea what the optimal uh angle is to hit a home run mm -hmm. i'm trying to hit the ball hard and i'm trying to hit it in the air but beyond that like i, I don't i'm not I, I don't get scientific with it it's yeah. not it's not math it's an art uh, yeah. hitting and um i'm trying to yeah, I'm trying to get in the air and I'm trying to hit it hard. Um, and you're right. Like I'm searching for pitches to do that on, um, you know, I think, and like years are different. Like this year, I feel like I'm crushing the ball up in the zone. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, in 2017, I was crushing the ball down in the zone. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't, um, uh, it's baseball. I don't. Other than that, I don't know how yeah. else to explain it. Yeah. Does it does it change based on on who you're facing? Like, you know, you look at. I mean, you've got great career numbers against like Chris Sale, right? You're you got a four twenty nine on base percentage against you know arguably the best pitcher of the last three to four years. Like, um, does the approach change dramatically when you have someone whose whose stuff is a lead and you're you're maybe guessing or you're hunting a pitch more versus like you know a guy who's throwing below the the average velocity and you know where you can actually react to what you see more? Yeah, like I don't want to give away all my secrets, but yeah. like <laughs> uh, you look for you look for certain things off guys. Um, you know, I'm not that good, so I try to find any way to cheat, whether it be, <laughs> um, you know, tipping or, or you know, if they have a bigger glove on a certain pitch or a smaller glove on a certain pitch or if their momentum um, or if their um, their pace is quicker on a certain pitch or slower on a certain pitch. Um, all those type things I yeah. look for. Um, but, like, yeah, with Sale, I'm trying to hit his fastball because his slider is way too good. Um, and... Um, you know, he's figured out that <laughs> my numbers were much better before the last couple, before the last couple handful of bats because he started throwing me a ton of sliders. So, yeah. um, you know, it's a, it's a cat and mouse game. For yeah. Sure. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I'm curious, like, I've seen you just in, like, live ABs during, you know, like, the, the January through through April timeline in, in Florida. Like, when we've had minor league guys thrown to you and, like, you'll call out in the middle of an at-bat to a minor league guy that he's tipping. Um, yeah. wh- when did you, like, actually discover that? I mean, was that just from being around veteran players? Was it something you've always been able to do? It, do you feel like, it, you know, you do it particularly well because you, you look at the game differently? What's your take on it? Um, so I don't really know the day or time I started looking for it, the year or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would definitely say it was because of veteran players and like asking them what they look for and when guys tip and whatnot. Um, are there certain things that you historically have looked for the most that that jump out at you? Like, um, Okay. Like more, more for like the younger pitchers on the call, like protecting themselves. We don't want to give too much advice to pitchers. We need to get show some love to the hitters, but you know, things <laughs> yeah. to look for. Yeah. So I'm always, I mean, I always start with their glove. Mm-hmm. Um, if their gloves in a certain or a different position, um, different angle, bigger, smaller. Mm-hmm. I mean, even guys at the triple A level, they'll tell you what's coming 85% of the time. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, they slow their bodies down on change ups, off speed. Um, you know, they have bigger gloves on their off speed. Mm-hmm. Um, their gloves at a different angle. They have they have a window between their forearms um, on certain pitches, and it's closed during other pitches. Um, you kind of, kind of work my way down like that. Um, yep. Uh, wrist angle, glove angle, um, forearms. Is it looser? Is the glove away from the body, mm-hmm. tight to the body? They come set a different height. By their, I'll look at their like um, their logo, mm-hmm. and if it's the heater, sometimes the heater will be above the logo. Sometimes it'll be a change up below the logo. Yeah. Um, so you look for things like that. Yeah. Um, and and, and that, uh, you, don't, you don't have nearly as much video access in AAA as you do in the big leagues, too. You'd think it would be, right. to be honest, even harder to pick up on it in AAA, but you're seeing it even easier. Well, you, you just see it more often um, yeah. because guys in the big leagues, they're they're robots. Everything's the same and they know exactly where they're, where it's going, you know, for the most part. Absolutely. And that, that kind of leads me to my next question. So you, you've obviously, you've done the minor league course. You did like, you know, low A, high A, double A, triple A, got to the big leagues, you know, up and down for, you know, a year or two. And then we're there for an expanded, you know, now you, you've seen minor league baseball all over again. And like, you know, you look at the numbers that you put up this year, like, in, in minor league baseball, as you worked your way back, um, starting with the Yankees and now with the Phillies, it, you you effectively, you know, over the course of a season, this this you know put, works out to sixty homers and one hundred fifty RBIs with like a a one two OPS. So so obviously you're a big leaguer playing against you know AAA pitching. Like what's the what's the biggest change level to level? Like the first time when you were on the way up, was the biggest adjustment AAA to the big leagues? Was it you know I've heard some guys say like it was it was high A to double A. What what was your experience looking back on it? In the- yeah. Um- yeah, these are it's a tough question because for me to actually remember, you know, twelve years ago when I went from high A to double A is yeah. um tough. But um I mean I would definitely say that the biggest adjustment was from triple A to the big leagues the first time. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I get called up and I'm facing Matt Kane. Um, you know, that wasn't you know, he he uh he back in the day he knew what he was doing, where it was going. Mm-hmm. Um the Giants had some really good pitching, um, you know, and then we went to San Diego, didn't get any easier, um, facing Wainwright with the Cardinals. Um, you know, like all these guys, they're, they were names, 
um, that I knew about. And then you just get to find out how actually really good they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of them, you know, you, you, you see, um, you know, names you recognize and you're like, Oh man, this guy's gonna, he's, he's really good. And you just realize he's just another name on a Jersey and he's got a bunch of zeros in his bank account. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, the ball's still got to come across the plate. Um, yeah. You know, so, um, the intimidation factor, I guess, may be a little, mm-hmm. um, more present when you're, um, first up there, but you know, you get over that pretty soon and, um, realize that, uh, you realize that, um, they're all the same and the game's the same. It's just, I guess they're not all the same, but the game's the same and the ball has to come across the plate at some point and you just got to pick out which pitch to swing at. Absolutely. How is, um, you know, the advent of analytics as well as video capabilities and all that changed you? Like, I know I've heard stories about some guys who, you know, they were substantially better hitters in the big leagues than they were in the minor leagues because of the access they had to breaking down swings, watching more pitching, and also just looking yeah. at the data. And other guys are like, screw it, keep it away from me. I don't want anything to do with it. Has it do you feel like it's helped you dramatically? Yeah, so, well, I would say, like, in the, at the AAA level, like, this year, I haven't really looked at film um, mm-hmm. before games on guys. Um, to be honest, my approach is pretty simple. Uh, I'm trying to get in the middle of the plate, um, up in the zone, and, uh, you know, and that's just because, you know, 95% of these guys, they don't have command of secondary pitches. They can't. Um, so I'm not going to go chasing secondary pitches or I'm not going to go looking for them when they don't know where it's going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, over the course of a game, over a course of weeks, you know, months, you realize that like, yeah, they miss with their fastball a lot too. Um, and they love to pitch up in the zone. So yeah. everybody loves to there. pitch up in the zone, but not everybody's really good at pitching up in the zone right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the issue. And it's like, yeah, more home runs are hit because guys are flirting with a dangerous area. Like if you don't put it exactly where you want to put it up in the zone, like up and into me, I'm going to, I'm going to take you out of the yard. Absolutely. So, and, and then they, they want to throw like two seamers in there. Well, you, again, you better put it on the black because if you don't, you miss a little middle, I'm going to, I'm going to hurt you. So, um, you know, I think, you know, that, that all that kind of stuff plays into it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just a generality mm-hmm. for sure. But I would say that that's generally speaking, that's what AAA arms are trying to do mm-hmm. now is try to figure out how to pitch up in the zone. Do you think some of that stuff is things that guys can get away with more if their velos more elite? Like if, if you see a guy who's throwing 92 to 94 versus a guy who's throwing 95 to 97, like, it, it, does it does it matter uh, a ton if the secondary stuff still isn't great, but you know the the fastball is still like they're gonna miss. But can they get away with that much more at five to seven? Or are you still? I mean, hitter, hitters have hit you know Chapman throwing one hundred five. So what's your take? Yeah. Um, so I've, uh, more than velo, I think it's about. Um, I mean, deception is like a very broad term, but um, guys that can make the ball look like it's rising is yep. where um, the deception for me comes in. So they can pitch at the top of the zone. They can throw strikes up there, but then they can also make the ball leave the top of the zone when it looks like it's going to be at the top of the zone, if that makes sense. Yeah. So absolutely. then you got to pick. And then if it's 97, yes, it makes it even harder to yeah. pick that. 
Absolutely. Now uh, I, I'll throw in a little bit of a, a curveball at you. So um, Edgar Martinez just entered the Hall of Fame. I know you're a huge yeah. su- supporter of his, and in light of uh, your time in Seattle, I know like even just listening to like Alex Rodriguez on Sunday Night Baseball has talked about how he should have like a PhD in hitting. Yeah. You, you spent a couple of years around him while you were there. What were some of the key lessons that you took being around him? How did he change your career? So Edgar is uh, more than anything just a great human being. Um, he's very supportive and always has your back um you know and that's like for me hitting is so different for everybody um so having somebody that you know is in your corner and is willing to work with you and do whatever it takes is huge um so yeah i'm yeah. happy that he is the first ever dh to get in the hall of fame um that's pretty special um and he but he deserves it and yeah like the guy is I mean, you want to talk about finding tips like that guy knows if you breathe wrong, um, <laughs> you know, um, he's got all that kind of stuff down. He's done so much stuff. He has um, an eye condition um, that he had to work on and work on and work on with the Seattle eye doctor. And, um, you know, he, your eyes are pretty important as a hitter. Yeah, no doubt. To be, a, to be able to overcome something like that mm-hmm. um, and not only overcome it, but be – the best of all time at your position or one of the best of all time at your position is pretty special. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we'll build on that. So you've, you've played in, I think it's seven organizations now, um, over, over the course of time. What are some of the things that have stood out as qualities of your favorite coaches? Like who's, who's helped you the most and why? And and I'm, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, like who has, you know, or not necessarily names, but like qualities that have interfered with your developer made it harder to play day to day. Yeah, so um, I would say um, guys that you can relate to um, that make um, you know it not a job, but mm-hmm. a um, you know it, it's fun. Um, yeah. So qualities like like I said, like being positive, having your back, empowering you, making you feel like you're the you know, the best player on the, on the field at any given night. Um, those are the type guys you want. Um, you know, you have guys that, um, speak mechanically, um, at the right times and tell you to, um, stop being a wuss and your swing's fine and go compete at certain times. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to have for me, um, you know, I definitely do get, too analytical sometimes or too mechanical sometimes um mm-hmm. having guys to be like no you're good let's go is uh is a good is a good thing um you know i don't know to be like guys that like want to um yeah i don't know it's tar- it's tough like hindering like i don't know if like hitting coaches ever hinder you um they just might not help that much because they don't. That's the, that's the one thing that, that I realize like with hitting coaches is they don't want to ever lead you down the wrong path. So they're very careful about what they say sometimes. Yeah. So I guess maybe that's a quality I don't like. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and you, you and Chris Dunn have, have hit it off a lot. I know he's, he's been really yeah. impactful for some of the stuff you've done. And you know, there's a difference between being an off season hitting coach and an in season hitting coach too, right? Like it's yeah. in season. It's a lot more about approach and, and spirits and things like that. Whereas off season is the time when the changes have worked the most. What, what is it that, that appeals to you the most about Chris? How, do, how has he been so impactful on your development? Well, first of all, I got to play with Chris. Um, 
So just knowing the type of person he is, um, you know, I can trust him and he trusts me. Um, you know, I can send him video throughout the year. He's like, what do you got on this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, you know, he's, he, I feel like he's a student of the, of the swing. Um, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to be necessarily like a, you know, a coach on the field. He just wants to go in and grind it out with guys day in and day out. And when you do that, you learn a lot about the mechanics of the swing. So, um, yeah, mechanically speaking, um, I will send him video from time to time to see all that kind of stuff, to see what's going on with my swing. Um, you know, if there's pitches that I continually miss and I'm on those pitches and I'm thinking about those pitches, um, there's, then I'm like, okay, well, there's gotta be a mechanical issue here. Mm-hmm. So then I'll, you know, send it to him and, and see what he's got. Um, and he's got an exercise, well, he's got an exercise science background too. So he's got a, yeah. a good handle on how the body works. So Chris and I have had some good conversations and I, I like the fact that he, it's not always mechanics. Sometimes it's all right, physically, where's your body at? What are the positions you're having a hard time getting into? And then, you know, sometimes you attack it from that angle. And I, I think that's something you see with a lot of the best hitting coaches nowadays, particularly like the younger breed that's, that's working their way through the ranks. Right. So like, yeah, I mean, you can go on to, I think it's the high pro hitting, um, on Instagram mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he does like a lot of, um, so as a hitter and I'm, and it's the same for pitching, I'm sure of it. Um, I don't want to be quad dominant when I load, I want to be in my hamstring and in my butt and my hip because I want to be, those are the bigger muscles that are going to be able to control me. And I'm going to have more success through a long season with, mm-hmm. you know, 95 and 75 coming at me and being able to adjust on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, you know, he has drills to, to help hitters with that. Um, you know, he talks about tight turns a lot. So it's not necessarily that you want the bat outside your back shoulder at all times and swinging, um, north to south. It's, it's, you want to be, you want to have the, your hands available at all times to swing the bat. Um, you know, front arm staying bent through the zone and, and, uh, you know, top hand turning your back thumb straight back as your first move um you know there's a lot of cues and things like that that he uses that's really helped me yeah and i think there's there's like a proximal to distal right it's like focus on the the hips first like figure out where you are centrally before you start changing things downstream because a lot of times those things take care of themselves when you get yourself centrally in the right position yeah you Um, take care of the big muscles the small muscles tend to fall in line yeah. So I'm curious, you got, you got a chance to play with a couple MVPs, like as you worked your way through the Marlins system and Stanton and Yelich, um, yeah. what you seeing them day to day, what differentiated them at the minor league level? Obviously, you know, you have, you know, a, a guy like Stanton who's a, who's a freak athlete and all that, but what was it that, that made them so successful? Was it, um, was it just raw power? Was it a matter of pitch recognition? What, what, what did they do so well that differentiated themselves early and, and, and what have they done differently to, to go from being good minor league players who made the big leagues to being MVPs? Yeah, so I never played with Yelich in the minor league, so I played okay. with Stan a couple of years, but mm-hmm. I did get to see him play yep. um, from time to time in the minor leagues. And um, so I would say, like with Stan, and it was, um, yeah, he was just a very raw player, and he turned himself into who he is today. Um, you know, freak athlete, but um, just you know, he didn't he didn't have baseball skill yet. And, um, I think his first year in double a, he really struggled. Um, but then his second year in double a, you know, he figured it out and he got to the big leagues and, um, you know, still, um, wasn't who we wanted to be. Still was working hard. 
um, and turned himself into an MVP. I mean, this guy would sit on the machine, on the slider machine, and have him put it there to where it was just on the outside corner or just off the outside corner. And he would take hundreds and hundreds and hundreds at a time, teaching himself what slider was a strike and what slider was a ball, mm-hmm. and just trying to work off of that. Um, you know, uh, you know, they have very different swings. I don't know if their approaches are different, but their swings are different. Um, mm-hmm. Stanton's very uh, powerful. He has some. He does have some swing and miss, but um, you know, he he has no doubt some of the most raw power in the game and very flat swing. Um, mm-hmm. But he's still able to hit. When guys have flat swings, it's like a deal. You know, you, I can see him hitting you know fastballs up in the zone very well, but. I would think that you struggle with breaking balls down and mm-hmm. you know, I can see I've seen him hit curveballs, sliders and things like that down in the zone um, really far and really loud. Uh, so he can do it all. He's a, like I said, he's a freak athlete. Yelich mm-hmm. um, is too. Um, the one thing that Yelich has always had is his swing. Mm-hmm. I don't think that guy's swing has changed from day one. It's mm-hmm. um, he's, you know, he is Roy Hobbs for sure. <laughs> That's a good comp. Um, so he, here's a, maybe a, a total change of pace, right? So early on in your career, you were you were social media. You were very involved, I would say, to put it lightly. And you got yourself into some trouble there. Uh, I think for a while, your, your Twitter still had you listed as like a Seattle Mariners outfielder, even though you were uh, in Tampa for two years and playing first base in DHing. So you, I don't know if you forgot your password. Now Twitter is no more. Um, you're a little bit of Instagram. But for the most part, you're off social media. What kind of uh, precipitated the, the move off of it? Um, and then, you know, how has it impacted your ability to, to, to perform at a high level? Well, I mean, I don't think it, perf- I don't think that has one thing to do with the other, to be honest, yeah. but, um, you know, I was just tired of hearing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> it's a uh, get off. Tw- like back in the day when I was tweeting, mm-hmm. you couldn't work hard and be on Twitter, Yeah. but now you have to get on Twitter to show everybody you're working hard. Yep. <laughs> so I guess I just missed the window a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, that or you were just an early adopter and everybody was trying to get on your level. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, like Al Leiter literally did an interview with me on MLB Network asking me, don't you think it's just too much to do Twitter and baseball? I'm like, Al, <laughs> like I'm not going to the bar chasing it. I'm on my computer or on my phone typing in things in yeah. my bed. Like, it was 140 characters too. It wasn't even the 280 it is now. <laughs> yeah, it's just outrageous. Yeah, but now it's it's Instagram, so it's it's toned down a little bit. Did that, I mean, do you feel like in any way it uh, you know, it just it just tuned out distractions, or do you think that you were peacefully coexisting with it just fine? Yeah, I mean, there like I there was very it's very negative. So sometimes like go on there and like read all the negative comments and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, people say a lot of stupid stuff behind keyboards yeah. and behind screens. So um, you know, just to not listen to it, not to even worry about it was you know i kind of think my motivation to get off it but mm-hmm. you know at the end of the day it's um i'm a baseball player and that's what i want to be remembered yeah. for and and um not not twitter and instagram or whatever but um also wanting to have an instagram so i can you know not have to like call all my family members to tell them what's going on i can yeah. just put it up there it's a good way to do it. put pictures of your kids up and stuff. It's it's moderated yeah. over the years. Um, yeah. So along those lines, so you, you now have a son. I mean, you have a daughter too, but mm-hmm. you, have, you have a son now. What would your advice to your son be in terms of like long-term development? Let's say, I mean, because you went to your dad when you were how old and said, I want to be a major league baseball player. I remember you told yeah. me the story. Yeah. Um, so I think I was around five. I don't really remember. Yeah. And that was, yeah. 
um, I wanted to be a major league baseball player and then he never let me forget it. I mean, mm-hmm. he put me in front of everybody that, um, you know, he knew he read all the books. Um, mm-hmm. if he, if there was a, you know, I went to hit with Kevin Seitzer because he was in the big leagues and he probably knew a lot more about hitting than we did. So mm-hmm. I would take lessons from him when I was in Kansas city. Um, mm-hmm. you know, all these, all these people he would try to put me in front of just, mm-hmm. um, trying to get me to learn more and, and develop to be a better baseball player. Um, mm-hmm. what, I played every every chance I could. I was um, playing 80 games in the summer. Um, you know, I probably played 120 games when I was 12, 13 years old. Um, just played, 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 um, you know, and looking back on that now, like, yeah, you can play a lot of games, but maybe 80 is probably the yeah. most you want to play. Um, just wear and tear on your body, even when yeah. you are younger, is, is still a real thing. Um, you need to rest and it's always, it's also good to, you know, play other sports. I played basketball and Mm -hmm. I wasn't very good, but, uh, um, you know, I had fun playing basketball. I would say that if you asked me when I was 12, 13 years old, I'd probably say that basketball is my favorite sport just because Mm -hmm. I was so tired of baseball. (laughs) It's a good (laughs) lesson. Yeah. But, uh, you know, just being as good as I was at baseball, you know, stuck with it and that worked out. Absolutely. So when it comes to, to young justice, what's yeah. the, what's the strategy? Justice comes to you at age five and says, I want to be a major league baseball player. Cause he's having so much fun hanging yeah. out in the clubhouse. What, what do you do? Well, um, I would tell him to play golf probably at this <laughs> point, but, uh, if we get the economic situation figured <laughs> out with baseball, then I tell him, okay, well, you better be willing to work. Um, you know, it's not easy. That's for mm-hmm. sure. And you're going to have to quote unquote, sacrifice a lot of stuff. If you want mm-hmm. to get to, um, get to be where you want to be. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of things that I missed when I was younger, mm-hmm. grad nights and going out with my friends and hanging out with girlfriends and all that stuff. That wasn't a thing because I was playing baseball on the weekends and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I tell them to have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, but you got it. There's going to be a point where it's going to become a job, and um, if if you're willing to work through it, um, then by all means, let's go. Yep. Nice. All right. So we got we got lightning round here. Um, okay. What advice would you give to a teenage Logan Morrison? This is not lightning. Yeah, um, <laughs> you can, you can take as long as you, it's lightning for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, be nicer to your parents. No, that's good. What about minor league Logan Morrison? The first, the first or second time around? <laughs> yeah. Um, the second time around would be go home, stop playing. <laughs> the first time would or, be or don't keep, get hurt, keep raking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, what about uh, your favorite teammate of all time and why? Oh gosh. <laughs> that's so hard uh my favorite teammate of all time there's so many good ones i don't um man i mean i've had so many good teammates that have took care of me dan ugla mm-hmm. um greg dobbs john buck uh robinson cano mm-hmm. um you know, just guys that have uh, looked after me on and off the field. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, giving me advice, you know, paid for my dinners, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd have to probably say, I don't know, Brad Miller. Uh, yeah. Probably my favorite teammate. Just played with him the most. Great dude. One yeah. Of, one of the best guys in baseball. Yep. He is a really good human. And, uh, you know, I kind of feel like it's the other way around where I took care of him and kind of give him advice and, um, you know, all those things. But, um, you know, he, 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 he does give me some advice mm-hmm. from here from time to time as well. But, um, yeah, um, you know, he's just a funny guy and he makes yep. baseball a little easier to play. Every Absolutely. Day. What hitters do you like to watch and what is it that you watch about them? <sighs> These are freaking tough, dude. <laughs> I right. know we've we um, watched, we watched enough Joey Votto video to probably fill an entire hour segment, haven't we? Yeah. Votto does some pretty good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do, I do enjoy watching Joey Votto. Um, it's very, um, but the thing about that I like about him is that it's very planned out, calculated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he knows the strike zone better than anybody, and that's what I admire about him. Um, you know, Christian Yelich is probably my favorite player, so I'd have to go with him. There you um, go. You know, I just, like I said, he's the natural man. He, I love the way that he doesn't have to think about anything he does. He just does it. That's pretty cool stuff. Absolutely. So, uh, bigger adjustment going from outfield to first base or first base to outfield, <laughs> first base to outfield, 100%. But that's just because I was a naturally a first baseman coming up to the minor leagues. Um, yeah. and then two weeks before I get called up to like, go play the outfield. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So then I'm in making my debut in left field in San Francisco where the flags are blowing everywhere. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's not exactly, uh, secure feeling when you first go out there but uh you know i wasn't very good so i would definitely have to say it's first base to outfield yeah and people forget that you were also a pitcher back in the day like you had <laughs> you, you had some arm speed and uh, so i'll tell i'll tell my story it was probably what spring of 15 and we were out on the field one day and i, I never knew that you had pitched back in high school and I don't know the guy, we had like the bullpen schedule and you said something like, I don't know, put me in for 1130 or something like that. I'm like, Oh, you throwing a pen? Like, I didn't know you had an arm and you're like, I hit 94 in high school MF or something like that. And I flipped you a baseball. I was like, hit the scoreboard on the fly and next off season is free. Or no, I said, hit the, uh, hit the O in Comcast. I think there was like a word on it. And yeah. you proceeded to literally with no hesitation, turn and throw probably what was like a, it was probably a 280 foot, like, piss rod and you missed it by about four inches and i was like all right that was <laughs> so pe- people need to appreciate that in, in a pinch in the seventh inning sometime we might see you coming out of the pen to go lefty on lefty right yeah um the next two-way guy he's <laughs> gonna be a 33 year old Wilfred morrison yeah so um yeah i mean listen if you're if you're a uh, a big league baseball player odds are you were um, a two way guy at some point because mm-hmm. you're just, you know, you're head and shoulders athletically above people. Um, so that's what I was. I mean, I just was more gifted than the other high school kids and was able to, you know, throw hard and, you know, I could bend a curveball though. I couldn't tell you if it was going to be a strike or not. <laughs> I could throw it the catcher's feet and guys would swing at it. So, yeah, I don't know. I didn't have any command or anything. I wasn't hitting people, but I wasn't necessarily 
um, consistent in the, in the zone either. Absolutely. All right. Last question, lightning round. If you were not a professional baseball player, what would you be doing? Mm, I'd be Blake Bortles, the construction worker. That's a good question, man. I don't know. Um, I would like to be, I would like to think I would do something athletic, um, still play sports. I just don't like being, um, I like using my body yeah. um, in that way. I don't like being indoors and behind a desk or in a cubicle. I was giving you an opportunity to launch your political c- campaign in front uh, of a very welcoming audience, and you well, missed it. <laughs> yeah, see, but see, that's what I'm saying, though. I have to use baseball to, to get into the political realm. So there you go. if I never played baseball before, I don't know what I'd do. But since I've played baseball, when I retire, I will be – president of the united states let's that's, go that's perfect that's an amazing way to end this <laughs> um so to start if you'd like to follow lomo's presidential campaign it's at lomogram on instagram um and that's your only social media outlet which is which is good so i uh, appreciate yeah. taking the time man thanks for doing this thanks for having me awesome thank you for joining us for another episode of the csp elite baseball development podcast if you enjoyed this episode We'd be thrilled if you'd consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving us a review to read on iTunes. We welcome your suggestions for future guests and questions. Just email EliteBaseballPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for your continued support, and we'll see you next episode.